Here is a motion picture film, a thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. So, you know Takashi 69? I move in this building, but I know Daniel and Oscar Hernandez. They are brothers. Uh, 69 bullshit? No, just. What are you doing, bro? I'm gonna come back. This shit better not be there. Yeah, he is. You don't know him. 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 You know him. You don't know him. You don't know him. You don't know him. Bullshit. Bitch, 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 Six nine earlier today in anticipation of this recording. Yeah, yeah. I found unless it had a feature on it, like it all sounds kind of the same. Yeah, it does. It's like all good music it sounds just like the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, not a lot of adventure there, but it seemed like at some point he was very adventurous. Like he had a. I mean, he had a. He he was doing the. I mean, they brought this up multiple times in the documentary, but it was a. I'm a. I'm the rap punk rock guy. Yeah, I kind of wish they played more into that because I kind of understand the punk so-called mumble rap connection. Correct, yeah. It it makes sense there. As someone who also is a big fan of early punk movements and I can kind of see where that connection is. It makes perfect sense, actually. I'm kind of surprised punk and rap haven't merged more before recently. But. I do feel like it's a fairly recent development where you're seeing more uh, crossover. There's one of the... This groups, well, groups, it's two guys, whatever. But Danger Incorporated, where I feel like it's very much along those same lines. Oh, not sure. just that cheesy ass, like, oh, it's like the Beastie Boys. They had, like, the guitar, man. Rock this way! The, 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 the rock influences in with rap are so much better done now <laughs> yeah. than they were then. I recall, like, a Q-Tip solo record where he had corn on it. Oh, boy. And it was like rappers felt like it was like, yeah, we need to bring the rockers in. So let's have like the lamest like metal solo or some shit. Y'all didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. No. Even that even the classic run DMC Aerosmith one. Yeah, that one. Like that shit was that shit's been tired. Aerosmith sucks. I loved it when uh, Aerosmith got back together with Run DMC for that awards show. I should probably know what it is, but I don't. And man, it was one of the most terrible things I've ever seen. Was it like uh, one of the MTV Music Video Awards? It was, yeah, it was something in the past maybe two years, two three years. It was reunion. They got back together and just stank up the stage one last time. Yeah, there was this rapper. I'm forgetting. I forget. He was. He's a white rapper. Snow. Snow. Yeah. Informer. <laughs> the original mumble rapper. Yeah, he was the original mumble OG, rapper. OG. OG, man. He and uh, 3-6. It was like someone listened to Snow and 3-6 Mafia. Yeah, Canada had the game on lock. And like, and like, uh, 
And what's uh what's an what's an emo band like a big emo band like Taking Back Sunday? Yeah, ta- man, I got all the Taking Back Sunday albums. <laughs> I got all the Three Six Mafia records. <laughs> got I my got Thursday. I got my uh, American Football. You know, remember that band, The Thanksgiving? No, I'm glad I don't. <laughs> I used to listen to some soft shit back in the day, man. Yeah, man, sad boy cry music with a little bit of a distortion. You know, does the heart good. I ain't gonna hate on it. I mean, some of it holds up. I mean, some of it really does. Yeah, it's some fine. Of it does. It's, it's fine. okay to yeah, feel fine. your feelings. Yeah, it's fine. It's just it's fine music. I found that this they used to call it SoundCloud rap. We'll kind of get more into the history of it as we get into this movie because Mr. Danny Hernandez. Formerly known as Takashi Six Nine, now Six Nine, is uh, kind of came from that, and I will say that this this genre is like similar to the punk movements. It's very presumed upon by people who just kind of dabble in it and walk away. Yeah, yeah. Be like, oh, I could do that. I feel like everyone who set, listens to rap and says, "Look, what are you talking about? That. I could do that." I'm like, no, you can't. No, you can't. It's just you don't have. First of all, you need natural rhythm and a cadence, <laughs> yeah. and half the motherfuckers who yeah. I hear say this have none of that. Not all, all of it is the. I'm doing air quotes now for people that are listening, but the the the, the authentic dialect, the authentic tone, if you will, you yeah. can't put it on. It's like if you don't have that tone, yeah, a lot of people aren't going to want to listen to you. And by tone, I mean, do you sound like a black dude who's from the hood? I feel like rap is. Can the... put that hard R on that brother? Are you a brother from the hood? Brother, you're a brother from the hood. Listen, listen, brother. That's like my impression of every like older white man that wants to like, hey, brother. cool with me. I'm like, yeah, cool, yeah, bruh. Uh, white people say bud now like a lot. Like, hey, bud. Hey. I, I fucks with that. What up, bud? Yeah, cool. I, I think uh, they say it in the military a lot. Hmm. Hey, bud. Bud. I hear there's a lot of white people in the military. But I'm about to be direct and uh, uh, patronizing you right now, bud. <laughs> come here. All right, come here, bud. Hey. Hey, bud. I don't mean no harm, bud. I don't know. Now I'm like, maybe I do want the guy that comes up to me and says, well, hey, brother, I just, uh, I'm really glad to see you, brother. I'm like, yeah, okay. See, I watch wrestling, and wrestlers call each other brother all the time. Oh, brother, 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 brother. This is terrible. Just, I, I just, I'm having flashbacks. I don't, I don't like this. Brother, yeah, <laughs> brother, yeah. You know, mumble rap had been around a few years, for lack of a better term, emo rap, whatever. I'm still not sure what to call it. And so heretofore... Shall be further known as DIY rap. DIY rap. DIY rap. Well, it definitely is. Uh, these kids are making some money without having to go to giant record labels. You yeah. got to respect that. Yeah, or even having to go to a venue. That's the whole thing about it. It's like you find the space where it's available, and it's available online. It also seems like a subgenre where black kids and white kids kind of came in at the same time, and yeah. like influencing each other off of it. It's one of the first young generations that has ready-made access to uh, recording equipment, the internet, and the audience. It's not mm-hmm. like when you have to actually go out and meet people. You could sort of connect that way over the internet. You don't need to go across town and hang out the the punk scene and get in cool with those dudes. You can just reach out to some people in another country if you want to. It kind of leads us into some of the stuff about his rise, you know? Oh, I forgot to finish that, my thought on the white rapper. Yeah, go for it. Not it's not snow. I forget his fucking name. Yeah, I derailed that so hard. <laughs> just, just it's so easy. Edit out all of that. No, <laughs> it'll be fine. It's so good. it wasn't snow. It wasn't snow, but he did this video called Macklemore. Called Stop sorry, that. I'm sorry. I know that guy. <laughs> oh, go for go. I know that Matt one Johnson. song. Okay, I'm done. Thrift I'm done. shop, right? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he did this song called Mumble Rap versus regular rapper or something. Yeah. 
where he played the role of a mumble rapper. And, um, no, I think I've seen this video. And then he's the other rapper who's criticizing the mumble rapper for being so shallow. Yeah, I've seen this guy. Where the wordplay and the metaphors at? What y'all make? I can never call rap. Big L, big pawn. I'ma get them all back. And you mumbling motherfuckers, the better fall back. Nah, homie, is not gonna change. Clearly, we've run in the game. Talk about women and change. Dropping this shit that be numbing your brain. It's fucking insane. And they love it. We ain't gotta rap and nothing. Long as they don't wait to bump in this end of fucking discussion. And it basically his mumble rap character is like just talking about hoes and money and getting head. He's basically embodying little Zan. Yeah, little Zan. Little Zan's probably the most like basic of the <laughs> of the emo rap because the the stuff that I've heard that I like kind of deals with depression and like mm-hmm. you know, is actually real emotional shit there. Yeah. But they also talk about like getting blunted all the fucking time. It's okay. I mean, they're no XXX Tentacion. I mean, let's be real. But the other version that's criticizing the mumble rapper sounds exactly like fucking Eminem. Uh, that's every, why is it that every person that thinks they can rap well enough to be on YouTube now sound like Eminem? I'm just like, I don't care how fast you can rap, dude. I don't. It seems, yeah, the fast rappers are like, it's like, yeah, very good. You're. It's kind of like uh, how every town has an uncle that can play Stevie Ray Vaughan licks, yeah. but that doesn't make you interesting. Yeah, it's like, cool. I mean, I've heard that one before. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you can certainly say that, well, you certainly can say that about uh, this man here, Takashi, mm-hmm. Takashi 69 yeah. I mean, sure, it has the standard triplets on the hi-hats and the, the fast and the slow, the low voice and the yelling, but I haven't seen much like this guy before, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like his his music is like uh, like Taco Bell, right? Like you'll take it and it'll go right through you, and then you'll just move on very yeah. quickly. I mean, you were drunk. Yeah, it's just you're just it's trying fine. you're trying to scratch an itch. This is what's happening at the party. There's a beat there. It's yeah. it's fine. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what it is. Where but that it? but that white rapper was criticizing the mumble rapper for being unoriginal when he's sounding like a dude that mm. peaked 20 years ago. You can't be a white dude who sounds like Eminem criticizing somebody for sounding unoriginal. It's but, just not a good look. But the reality is that the shit that he was complaining about is all over mainstream rap with Drake and uh, <laughs> fucking Travis Scott. That They talk <laughs> about the shit that he's complaining about, yeah. but he can't. He can't swing up that high because it yeah. might fuck his career. Oh, of course. So you might as well just swing down to like the goofy little white boys with yeah, the face tattoos. Like, yeah, that's easy picking. So yeah. that's where you go. Yeah. Anyway, it was a shitty ass video. <laughs> of course it was. He sounded like Eminem. Who personally, <laughs> I mean, he's all right. Yeah, he's he's fine. He's fine. Everything's fine today. It's fine. Well, he did hug Elton John, and the world was cured. Oh, I hear if you hug a gay man, that makes that means you can't be homophobic. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he hugged Elton John. Cuta now and Cracker Barrel is sponsoring Pride Parades. So. I'm pretty sure. Don't know. Wait. I mean, I'm pretty sure that means you can't be homophobic. That's true. Yeah. If if you have corporate sponsorship, uh, then there's no way a corporation would do anything homophobic. I worked at a place that uh, the Correction Corporation of America had sponsored some stuff, and uh, yeah, it was just like you know, all <laughs> these big, all these big. Uh, I mean, good for you. Well, Everyone like, needs com- community outreach, but it's like... Mm. The correction? Like private prisons industries and shit? Private prison industry uh, contributes to so many uh, things around the country. That's the whole thing. If you're in a if you're in a, a corporate setting where your product isn't very palatable to the general populace, then at that point, you decide to start giving money to 
very good organizations. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, it's it's the way the game is played. You get your name on a building. Well, donations are cheaper than, say, paying living wages or, yeah. like, not profiteering off of uh, human lives. And the cool thing is that those donations are tax deductible, so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, some Amazon warehouses have homeless shelters in them? Jesus Christ. How fucked <laughs> up is that, dude? <laughs> But that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, this is... I'm about to get derailed again. Look, guys. Okay, let's just cut to the bull hookie. That's right. I'm, bull hookie. Bull hookie. I'm talking like my dad around like my friends when he's trying not to cuss and then he ends up cussing anyway like five minutes later. But like... <laughs> remember, wait, remember when they were talking about that, that lady um, who... She wasn't like a, a Trey Blood, but she was like the older lady in the apartment complex complaining about oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw her. And, and she out. goes, I don't like him. Did you like him when you first met him? When I met him, he was cool in the gang until he jumped the ship. It's the old school thing to say. I love Back it. in my day, we listened to Grandmaster Flash and we liked it, okay? Yeah. We didn't have people shooting each other in these streets. Look, I don't spend that stuff a lot, but I respect it because of the technology that they had to deal with to make that. It's very underestimated. I respect it, and it was groundbreaking for its time, but I'll yeah. never listen to more than, like, five minutes. Yeah, like, it's like... From uh, now till eternity. Yeah, we <laughs> we know what your name is and what you're here to say. Yeah, yeah. it was great. It was very important, but, you know, times have changed. You know, Absolutely essential. Show. Yeah. So what are, we, what, are we, what are we getting at with this guy? I mean, what's his deal? 6 9 the saga of Danny Hernandez, directed by Vikram... Gandhi, this Vikram guy, he's interesting. Did you know that he's Indian? I kind of would have guessed that. <laughs> I don't have a point. I wasn't just saying that to be saying it. It's, it's, oh, sure. Yeah, it's because uh, uh, I'm sure you're getting there, so I'll let you continue. No, I'm curious what you're going to say. Yeah, so uh, one of the first uh, scenes in the movie, he's trying to talk to, to this guy on the streets, one of the first interviews, and he said, so can you tell me a little about, what do you call him, like Danny? And this dude's like, you don't know Danny? Yeah, people are yelling out in the streets to this guy. You don't know him? I was like, damn, I thought because he was Indian, he might have that. Because you know how it is. Like, if, like when I was in New Orleans, I was walking around doing some volunteering. And, like, if you, me as a black dude walking in the neighborhoods, never really felt nervous at all. But, like, all the white dudes that were on the same team as me, they're like, man, it is crazy out there. They're going, man, I was just like, oh, my God, just because I'm black, it's like, thank God, finally I get to benefit from this whole, like, racism shit. It's like, I'm in this super black city, and everyone's like, I see you, kid. I'm like. Thanks, man. Thanks for not like threatening to beat my ass. I mean, white back. people just confuse being loud with being hostile. Yeah, so. it's so true. They That's do. why Takeshi comes off as so like hard to these young yeah. white suburban kids. He's like, he's so loud and hostile. I know, <laughs> man. Honestly, I spent so much of this movie looking at him, be like, God, I could whip this dude's ass. Oh, easily. Like so, easily. like nothing. Look at his ass. And the thing that got me is like the people that did like the the folks that made me the most nervous wasn't. Danny. I'm not even going to call him Takashi anymore. He's Danny. Mm -hmm. So, like, Danny didn't make me nervous, but the homeboys he was staying with from Treyway in their house, the way that they operated, I was like, ooh, that dude's a scary dude. Yeah, yeah. He was just so cool and chill and mm -hmm. just didn't raise his voice, but it was like... Saquo? Yeah, Saquo. Yeah. You could tell there's something there, but he's, like, smart enough not to lay it all out. Yeah, yeah. Him and his girl. Shoddy's definitely more dangerous, though. Yeah, Shoddy's a stone blood shooter, man. Because he's just, like, random. You could tell yeah. Sequo's a little more calculated. It's all dangerous in the end. That's true. But, yeah, we're up in Bushwick. Neighbors are yelling at the director, interviewing this guy, yelling <laughs> at both of them. Like, you don't know Danny? You don't know Danny? I think Vikram wanted to do something particular with this. And he kind of bookends it. Yeah, he does. In a way in which he's trying to ponder exactly how this is executed and what he's trying to do. I don't know if that's what he felt like he wanted to do really mattered. Yeah. I felt like 
he told a fine story about a, a, a popular figure, just straightforward. He did. And for that sense, it was good. But in terms to try to add that layers that, and he doesn't overdo it. It's just kind of pop. It shows up a little bit in the beginning and a little bit at the end with a line. And I don't think, you know, I felt like it was the least important part of the movie, what he felt mm-hmm. he was trying to do. But ultimately, I would say this, I was pretty intrigued by this movie. And there are a lot of talking heads in this fucking movie, man. There's a lot. It's like, how did, I don't know how he got access to all of it. I don't know what his deal was, but he, yeah, he got the access. Yeah, and uh, especially with his uh, ex-girl, baby's mother, Sarah Molina. Okay, am I the only one that's just thinking, is she just on pills all the time, or is she drunk? I didn't think that. I was really thinking, be like, yo, she's fine. <laughs> that's how... That's she, kinda, she looked, she looked yeah, good. shallow, sure. No, no, it was fine. No, she looked great. But right. I'm just saying, the way she talked, she kind of was slurring. Like, like it seemed like she was on pills or you something. You know, maybe. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't catch that, and usually I do, but I don't know. Watch it again. I think she, like... Maybe, maybe she was just high off her ass. Like, probably. Just smoked yeah. a lot of weed. That's what I'm going to hope for, because people don't generally OD off weed. But I know if you, like, um, you're hitting that shit a lot, and you're nervous, especially in an interview where you're... <laughs> Uh, baby's daddy has been ratted on some crit or uh, bloods and yeah, exactly. is uh, having some issues. She might want to work up a little courage yeah. to say some shit. But the director asks uh, while we watch a Takashi success montage, is he real or a master manipulator? Ooh. We'll probably answer that question yeah, as we go. That is the question of the doc. They're talking about Danny the bodega boy and we talked to a Shadow of the Great, who's like skateboarding in the neighborhoods, and he met Danny on the corner of Myrtle and Bushwick. Yeah, that's right. And everyone who knew Danny when he was early teens was like, he was a good kid. Yeah. Like, super nice kid. He just seemed like one of those kids that was into, like, weird stuff and, and music, and that was his thing. And Sarah knew him at that time, had a child, had a daughter with him, lived with him early on with his mother. His mom was a hoarder. She... We don't talk to the mother at all. In this, no, she uh, doesn't get any sort of touch there. Danny worked at the Stay Fresh Grill at 13 years old, which is... Uh, Below the legal age to be working. Yeah. Times are hard. I mean, Bushwick, people think about Brooklyn now, they hear Bushwick. It's like, oh, yeah, I went to a show off Bushwick. And it's like, hey, man, gentrification happened fast in Brooklyn. Back even in 2007... I mean, I'm not from there, but I remember going up and thinking, holy shit, this place is scary. And then going back a few years later and being like, oh, this is, yeah, this is not the, the same place at all. It's very posh. But back in the day, he was living in some hard shit. Yes, for real. Uh, dad left him at a very young age. He had a stepfather who was apparently gang affiliated yeah. that he really enjoyed being around. We meet a, 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 a white kid named Hanksy. His name's Adam Lucas Originally from Chicago. Adam, man, Adam was grinding my gears, man. Yeah. He just tell, he, he well, his had, name's Hanksy for one. I know. I was like, okay, dude. The first of all, what is this? <laughs> and, but then secondly, it was just like, he had to let everyone know, like, subtly. He was so subtle, but he was like... I think I was the only non-original resident on the, on, on the block. I was the first cool white dude. Yeah. And I was like, they were just like, hey, I was, because I was the cool white dude back in the day. It's like, okay. He, he yeah. described, he's a street artist. <laughs> he described it as being the one non-native Brooklyner on that block. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a very subtle, like, by the way, 
I was the first. I knew about it first, guys. I was the first Brooklyn dude. <laughs> but we got footage of Danny rolling with a lot of these people early in his life, but not with Adam. No, I think Adam was probably just some guy who he saw around, and they were like, "You want to be on TV?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, I know Danny." Yeah, yeah. Right. Also, show some of my like art and stuff. There was no one around. Adam yelling. This nigga didn't even know him like that. We got the Low Fusic collection collective. I think that's right. I might say some of this shit wrong. There's a lot of crazy. No, there was like Loaf and like what was the other one like uh, Scum Gang. Scum Gang, which is my favorite iteration. Yeah, but Loaf. They start off with Loaf. <laughs> Low Fusic. Uh, Low Fusic. I think they called it. And Danny hung with them and. And they were like a creative clique, kind of like um, like Odd Future and shit. Like they would just go around and be doing shit together and it would all come back and people do their own thing and it would be a part of this greater tapestry. The same aesthetic. I mean, he kind of had all that spark to be a star. He had his same, similar with Tyler, the creator and his like golf wing line of clothing. Danny had his own little line of clothing that just had shit like, pussy written on it or like <laughs> HIV. HIV I was just like god dude and big white block letters I was just thinking man you should have did cum god. I would have done cum I would, man, if I would have seen him in that I would have I would have given him a like in today's Instagram oh not in today's Instagram maybe in back in the days Instagram not everyone in the world was on there and he appeared on videos like Illa and Cancer and the the rapping at this point we we just get bits and pieces of it We'll get to why this shit's hard to find now. Oh, yeah. But, like, it actually wasn't bad. Like, what these kids were doing, yeah. I was very intrigued. You had people doing the video, something like that, a little video production going on. It was very top-notch for what they could do. You know? When the young people get creative, we got to encourage the fuck out of that. Mm, I don't know how you're going to make money doing that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you got the will, then you'll just do it, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Money will have to come later. Yeah, if you work hard enough. Well... I pull, mean, pull yourself up by bootstraps. No, there's no guarantees, but everyone's got to work. I love how Americans think that they've invented working hard or some shit. Like, what do you what do you mean? Think <laughs> some countries will make your ass work hard. <laughs> hey, you can go to jail and they'll make you prison and they'll make you work hard. Yeah, I hear jails are coming. The way you, yeah, I'm not gonna. Get it. <laughs> anyway, anywho, so they're in Bushwick. They're in Brooklyn. Gentrification is still not creeped into some corners. No, no. You know, I'm just not thinking of it because when you think of Takashi, aka Danny, Danny, aka Takashi, <laughs> yeah. you think about gentrification. Oftentimes, I think about my like childhood, like, teenage years, running around East Nashville, mm -hmm. and seeing the gentrification, and thinking one day I'm just gonna move back into the neighborhood, and then being like, I could do it, but I would have a shoebox to live in, and not want to do it. Yeah. But oftentimes, it makes me pretty angry, and sometimes I wonder. Some of that anger also with just all the other societal stuff leached into Takeshi's music. Yeah, Takashi. Yeah. Takeshi's a wrestler, first of all. Takeshi? Which one is that? Isn't he some I feel like there's a Japanese wrestler named Takeshi. Anyways. Probably. So Stepfather was affiliated and Danny really uh, it, it was stated that he was really into his dad. Yeah, he loved him. Stepfather was killed at the age of thirteen. Danny became angry and he lashed out. Then he hooks up with some guy, a guy, Peter Rogers and Zillakami, yes. who formed Scum Gang. With Scum Danny. Gang. Scum Gang. Scum Gang! This is when rapping Danny really starts to kind yeah. of pick up. Because he wants to be part of the scene. He's seeing all these other dudes rapping. He's like, man, I got to get in on this. I need the attention. And it was interesting their aesthetic and what they were trying to represent because these were kids that were super creative, 
But, you know, maybe they just didn't have a lot of money going on. Yeah. So that's kind of what they wrapped around. They, he was talking about how he they wanted to present a message that it was cool to be a bum, cool to be poor. Yeah. And aesthetically, I'm kind of intrigued with hearing that idea in rap, especially with so much rap music just talking about, like, how all their cars and their money and shit. And, and I listen to all this shit. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not even down with that I part mean, of I it. I listen to it, too. But it's like, but it is something like... There was some rap, I forget who it was, some rapper was complaining about how rap fans only listen to the beats and not the lyrics, and I'm like, well, have you heard some of the lyrics here? I mean, the beats are pretty sophisticated, Yeah, and they can so much outweigh the lyrics in so many times. I think at the core of what you're trying to get at, though, it's very hard to find a a DIY rapper who is willing to be vulnerable, which to me always is the sign of a great artist, is that willing to be vulnerable and to write that line of sympathy right up to the edge, not sympathy, uh, sentimentality or cheesiness right up to the edge and then pulling back the last second. Mm. And you're you're not going to get that with a lot of this type of rap. It's either, if it's not talking about money in the cars and it's talking about how good you are at something, if it's not how good you are, it's how hard you are. And so there is no room for that vulnerability to open up to a cathartic moment via art, you know? If anything, maybe when you hear a rapper talking about this shit, it's representing a side of them that is actually kind of maybe scared of the opposite of exactly what they're saying. And then how much of this exactly, and how much of this is some sort of, uh, cause they talk about Danny's just dire state of poverty as he's coming up mm-hmm. and sure you may want to talk about that to have a catharsis and to try and heal and move on. But I mean, if you don't come up through extreme poverty without having some form of either PTSD or some sort of deep, I don't want to say depression, but without having some sort of impact from that. Yeah. And so with a lot of people that have PTSD, they don't want to get into that headspace again. Cause they're like, I'm never going to feel that way ever again in my life. Mm-hmm. And so you think how many of these rappers who are like we were t- talking about earlier, most of the time, people want to hear a real one on the mic. Yeah. And if you're a real one, that means you've probably come from an economically disadvantaged environment. Right. And this isn't true of everyone from that type of environment. But with those disadvantages and the being underserved and being systematically or systemically failed with so many fronts, that comes with a lot of failings in your life. Not your own fault, you know, right. but it comes with systematic failings. And how can you thrive as a person? How can you have enough emotional intelligence to say, like, yes, I want these nice things, but also let me talk about the more deep and, and critical things in my life, you know? Mm. That, that There's not room for two of those. Your, your brain can only handle so much trauma before it's just like, I gotta get out. And if you, like, what's that one song say from Jay-Z? No, you'd be celebrating the minute you were having dough. <laughs> I always feel like it's funny when, I think sometimes when rappers come from poverty to wealth, that they kind of pretend like this wealth is them, like, getting back at the society. Right. But really, I mean, that wealth definitely helps probably their moms who probably deserve it from the struggle that they went through. They do. But it's really just themselves. Like the, the block is still the block and you want to leave it for a reason. And, uh, but to interpret it as like, you've done them over, done, screwed someone over. It's like, no, not really. You just, you just succeeded. And that's okay. And it's totally fine. I don't care. Go get your bag. But yeah, so, you know, I think it's no emotional outlet or no room for an emotional outlet. You got to assume that you you can interpret like the posturing bullshit as layers of emotion for sure. Yeah. And you're frustrated and you can't get ahead. And so sometimes all you want to do is just, you know, some people say punch through a wall or something, you know? So Scum Gang. Scum Gang! 
starts popping off some videos, and they actually are pretty good at putting this shit together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's when um, Danny adopts the Takashi Six Nine shit, and he starts putting out some songs and videos, videos of him like getting head with <laughs> yeah. bricks of cocaine around. Well, I mean, the he room. said like, but the whole thing is like it's all an act, though. Yeah. Like was... part of me is like, okay, maybe he was getting head from some people. Sure. I feel like a lot of those videos they were just mimicking it, just like fake bag. I don't think yeah. he he had fake bags of coke, and like when his first videos, like when he started really getting big, he's got. He's renting out Lamborghinis, but he doesn't own these Lambos. It's all just a show. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and they, they say as much as we go through different phases here. It's like when, like, the famous uh, Gummo video where he's <laughs> handing out blood. God. Like, the Bloods did not walk around totally yeah. decked out in red. He totally bought yeah. a bunch of bandanas. and Some crisp bandanas. <laughs> so he talked to tattoo artist David Percy into getting 69 tattoos. He first came into my shop to ask for a 6'9 tattoo. It's always been policy here that anybody coming of that age cannot get a tattoo on their hand or on their face that would affect their future. He simply said, I am going to do this. You don't understand. I am going to be a rapper. No matter which way you look at it, I am 6'9". Because it wasn't enough anymore on the internet to have videos getting head and people shooting up like heroin in your video. You gotta have a big freaking face tattoo. I think he said at some point he had 200 something tattoos of 69 on his body. <laughs> He's like the Suicide Squad Joker with all the ha ha ha's. <laughs> he is kind of like Joker. <laughs> he is he? Suicide Squad. He's... I feel like they based Suicide Squad Joker <laughs> after a DIY rapper. <laughs> Totally, that makes sense. Such a pompous ass. I refuse to say like mumble rapper or SoundCloud rapper. I'm like, he's more of a DIY rapper. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I mean, any term is good. I'm it not, doesn't matter. It's all the same. Story. I know SoundCloud rapper is no longer. That's dumb. Yeah, that, it's fine. I mean, if they've just got to start on SoundCloud, that was a movement, you know? Yeah, but they don't have to stay there. <laughs> no. Uh, so Rebecca Faye, we talked to his hairdresser because, yeah. you know, Takashi had all rainbowed out. He started out like purple and blue and stuff. I love stuff. how he couldn't get... A rainbow hairdo in the hood. He had to go to to Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. And she had this cutout of uh, Danny that when she was offering a contest for uh, customers to, for a drawing to meet him. You can meet Danny. I bet she did really good off of that. I bet that. she made a little bit of money. But she said some shit about like how Danny did the craze of started the craze of the rainbow. He, he started the rainbow hair. In it fashion, was, it was him. I mean, he traveled back in time and said center. to that guy, "Hey." You need to dye this afro wig rainbow color. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, John 316, man. Yeah, John 316, man. That's a callback if I've ever heard one. The idea that uh, Danny uh, started the trend of rainbow <laughs> anything is ridiculous. I mean, you got all of LGBTQ shit is sort of centered around like the eight rainbow symbology and multicolor layers. And I shit. will say this. I feel like he popularized the idea of the non-blinged grill. He popularized the idea of the just crazy ass colored grill. Like he didn't have a whole lot of like diamonds in it. It was just like yeah, rainbow yeah. colored in his grill. I thought I haven't seen that before him, but I've seen a lot of people with it since. I, I haven't. I don't think I've seen people with that kind of like his the rainbow hair and the rainbow grill. I mean, I've seen people decked out in the jewelry and the grill, but I don't think I've ever seen it quite like 
the way he did. So, oh, man, all those, like, SoundCloud rappers die their dreads, man. That's, like, their thing. Oh, okay, so that's it now. Yeah, I, you got to have die dreads if you want. That's why I cut mine. Honestly, like, I'm yeah. hearing them more than I'm looking at them, to be honest. <laughs> that kind of might be why I'm soft on them. You know? Yeah, you got if you got if you look them up, you'd be like, ah, eh, man, fuck this dude. <laughs> <laughs> that, when you see their faces, they all definitely have fuckboy face, which Takashi <laughs> is peak fuckboy, but, man, they all have fuckboy what face. What does fuckboy mean exactly? Let me tell you what I think yeah, it means. Yeah, you go for it. It means you're just a boy that's looking to fuck. He ain't going to hang around. You're going to take off. Yeah, that, that does it. <laughs> but it seems like an insult. Yeah, it's an insult. <laughs> I mean, I tried to be a fuckboy at a certain age. Well, there's a certain level of douchebaggery that comes sure. with being a fuckboy. You have to be just intentionally foul. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, okay. It's I was a... probably foul without realizing I was. Mm, it's a thin ago. line, ain't it? <laughs> it really is, you know. Hindsight, you know. Yeah. Boy, it really fucks you up sometimes. Hindsight is COVID year. So uh, he meets uh, with a bodega band. He worked with 6ix9ine when he was 17 years old. And uh, mm-hmm. Bodega is very pragmatic and practical yeah. about how he discusses this industry. He knew that 6ix9ine needed Bodega for his resume because working with Bodega opened the doors, and especially in the New York and Brooklyn area, of being able to work and a given, lending a credibility to what he's doing. You need a cosign if you're some unknown Latino dude. You need a cosign. That's just how it goes. Everyone needs a cosign, but he especially needs a cosign. Right. So he definitely wasn't hard. So um, the director is like, Are people using each other? Is he using you or using you? Yeah, yeah. This is a use, use game. If you don't want to get used, get the fuck out. A bodega, um, he Looking at it, this is, of course, Dan, Danny's still wearing shirts that say HIV and AIDS on him. <laughs> so he's like, he wasn't really too into his message. No. Because Bodega kind of alluded that he still kind of prefers a more positive undertone to things. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what is this weird boy saying, wearing shorts that shorts that say horse cum, yeah. whatever the fuck on it. Uh, but that's when Shinigami comes out. And he directed the whole video and provided all these crazy visuals and everyone in that we see in this movie talking about reminiscing on Shinigami is very at least complimentary on the style of the video itself. It was gritty. It was definitely gritty. Yeah. Had a style that really reminds me more of like early 90s rap videos or mid 90s rap videos. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Gosh, 90s rap is so influential with that DIY sound, especially like Southern rap, too, mm-hmm. which we mentioned earlier. Danny's Instagram starts blowing up pretty hard when he's full Takashi 6 Exponential growth on these followers, man. Like like tens of thousands of day, uh, people a day are following yeah. him. The videos of him like pedigreeing women, which... It's, I don't even know what that is. It's uh, the wrestler, it you know, the wrestler Triple H. Yeah, I actually do. It's his finishing move. <gasps> oh, so what? He just pedigree. Like, what's that? Why is that so shocking? It's just it's a wrestling move. Is, well, are they, is he pedigreeing them onto his exposed penis? It seemed like he was pedigreeing them onto their bed. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not too shocked by that. Also, he's like getting head. Oh yeah, that that does happen a lot. And he does have a girlfriend, by the way, yeah, that yeah. is like watching his daughter while he's out here doing whatever the fuck. <laughs> he apparently went through several Instagram accounts. Also, I should point out he's under eighteen at this time, so there's yeah. he's posting Instagram videos of him getting <laughs> head, and it's not like explicit, like it's angled. Yeah, but like you're watching someone underage getting head on an Instagram video. Yeah. He must have went, he went through so many Instagrams. Yeah, Instagram said, we are going to shut this down right now. And of course, he's getting super popular. And then we get to one of the kind of more darker sides of his history. Yeah, one of the first little moments of gloom on the horizon. Yo, I was literally 
just trying to figure out how can I make it in this rap game. That night, I was literally shooting a music video in a fucking trap house in Harlem. I'm from Brooklyn. I'll never go to Harlem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just some guys I met randomly. That night during the shoot, a girl was invited up. Some of the men there had sex with her, and it was filmed. Danny shared these videos on social media. She was only 13 years old. She was 13. No, she was 13. Yeah, I think she was 13. And you were? I was 17. I turned 18 that, that, mm -hmm. that, um, remember I went to jail March 3rd, May, and lasted all the way to May. I turned 18 that, that year. Danny was actually 18 years old. He pled guilty on one charge and signed a plea deal. He was out and free in a couple months and would be on probation for the next two years. I think the first time I uh, heard about Takashi 69, it was when the Gummo video came out. Yeah, yeah. And all of the, and what we're about to talk about was also wrapped up. Yes, it is that. all wrapped up in that. So, and also he was, and he was beefing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I, I mean, I'm a four-year-old white man, but I will sometimes go into these like hip-hop rap articles to I'll see what they're saying. With, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, man, they are they. This that that media industry is very much a what have you done for me lately kind oh, of, of industry. It it's like. If you ain't done shit in the last six months, it's like you might as well be dead. Yeah, for, but that's the thing. Takashi just out here. Oh, I'm going to post this. He just posts constantly, keeping people getting the likes up. And it doesn't even matter if he makes the music. Yeah. Because they're following him on Instagram. All he's got to do is get all those followers. Get maybe 10% of them buy a record. There were so many people I realized through this documentary, like uh, Patty. You know that guy? Have you ever seen him? He's like this red-haired kid on Instagram. He was really famous for taking lime wedges and just squeezing them into his eyes and then running around be like yeah and taking his shirt off and always supreme patty he always had a supreme headband on man I, I must be overthinking things when it comes to success honestly he got so big by wearing a supreme headband having crazy hair and just dripping lime juice and lemon juice in his <laughs> open eyes and just getting up like nothing happened you know that shit hurt but he did it good for him good yeah good for him that's the american dream you know getting rich off of doing some dumb ass shit see yes <laughs> that's the new american dream yeah. money off of dumb i'll take dumb it. money i'll take it i'll take it right now yeah i mean i you, I, you know i don't want to over i don't want to seem like i have too much integrity I mean, there are some things I'm will I'm willing to do terrible things to myself to make a buck. All I'm saying is, if someone came up to me right now... Except for a 9-to-5 job. <laughs> someone came up to me right now and said, I'll give you 5000 Give me $1,000 to squeeze lemon juice in my eyes. Hell yeah. I would take it. Yeah. I'm trying to think, what is my my, my cutoff? 100 bucks. I do it for $100. If someone yeah. said, hey, squeeze some lemon juice in your eye, I'd be like, okay. I'd be like, how many lemons? <laughs> yeah. Do I get a hundred bucks per like time I do it? Because I'll do it like as many as it takes. <laughs> you come out blind with ten thousand dollars in your hand. As I understand it, I could be wrong here because they didn't get into any details of exactly what Danny did. But as I understand it, this shit is being taped, mm -hmm. and he is. You can see him in the shots mm -hmm. while this is going on. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, he the, is there. And I, as I understand it, I don't know if he slept with the girl. But I, I believe I recall hearing that like he was like slapping her ass or something. Yeah, he definitely saw everything that was going on and was not stopping anything. Is, is it just me or is the 13, I mean, 13, 14, any of the ages up to statutory rape. It's like, hey, man, that's statutory rape. Don't do that. 
But the 13 just really hit like a gut punch to me. I was like, oh, 13, what? It's like, you know a 13-year-old, bro. What is going on here? Especially depending on the age of the other person, I think there is a difference. Like, as... They're like things do change slightly, even though I do agree it's all statutory. First of all, it's like, but hey, how about we just, just like, first of all, how whoa. about we just not pass any women around in public and have them get fucked on your video? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't sound like the old guy, but I'm sorry, just don't do it. Don't do it, guys. <laughs> yeah, or at least like get some ID for fuck's sake, <laughs> yeah. man. Get them to sign a damn NDA and get that ID, <laughs> which would not uh, be which. Uh, which would be thrown out if a kid signed an NDA. So it all works out. Yeah, you get the ID plot. first, then yeah. you sign the NDA. Yeah. You better have your lawyers on deck. I think the, the idea of, like, getting a girl of legal age to sign an NDA <laughs> for a sex is, act. Let me just tell and you. then you start filming it. <laughs> let me tell you, this is sounding worse and worse the more I keep talking. It's like, how can I gracefully back out of this? I, am I in too deep? <laughs> Well, we can move on. Uh, six six nine was eighteen that year. I'm calling him six nine now. Yeah, we just call him whatever. Danny six nine Takashi Takeshi. Six nine in my notes was so easy to write quick, yeah, so was... I, c- I couldn't resist. He was eighteen that year. Meanwhile, the Scum Click Scum Crew, Scum was... Gang, was collapsing. Pete and Zilla bailed him out at a hundred thousand dollars. Hundred K. I don't even know how they got that. You know, they put, took out some crazy, terrible loan. No, nope. I can't get a hundred thousand right now. <laughs> no, I think someone who's rich would pause on a hundred grand. Be like, no, because they're they're not rich because they hand out hundred grands to bell people's asses. If out someone of jail. said if my cat was dying and they said a hundred thousand dollars would save her, I'd be like, I'm so sorry, kitty. I mean, that is a lot, but so, but Danny apparently had no intention of paying him back, even though he was making bank right now. Yeah, just wouldn't pay him back. Did he just not have the money at the time? Did he already spend all of it on a bunch well, of dumb shit? I mean, all, shit? That, all that rap shit is just smoke and mirrors, so who knows how much money he actually had. That's true. I mean, there's some important lessons in this movie that we'll get into about oh, yeah. what matters and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And frankly, a lot of bullshit that people do does not matter that no, they claim is important. So, yeah. So, Scum was collapsing, and Danny reacts very strongly. This nigga goes to jail for a rape charge. I'm a minor. Zilla, you not scum gang. None of y'all niggas are scum gang. Nigga, I'm scum gang, nigga. Niggas know From me. my knowledge, scum gang is one person. Scum gang is Danny. That's funny that he, the gang in his mind was actually just him. <laughs> That's pretty dope, man. Because it turned into like he actually created a gang. That's what, you know. This is crazy. Like you're dead interviewing me right now with like thousand dollar worth of equipment and like about something that really didn't even exist. Pete and Zilla, they kind of were curating this entire library of their clique on YouTube, and a lot of this had a, a, all of Danny's early shit was on this. So what did they do? Deleted every fucking one of them. It was a boss move, and I respect him for it. I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, some if some dude took my hundred thousand dollars, man. You gotta delete. But it's kind of cool because you know they got that shit saved on multiple I'm drives, sure they, right? Maybe. So they'll probably like they could maybe even down the road somehow figure this out, maybe maybe make yeah, that money back. We got that unreleased to cash. Yeah, right. <laughs> they can essentially say that it is theirs based upon. Almost like they're their own record label now. Yeah, exactly. They could put out early Takashi shit, and he probably can't do much about it. We got the masters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we meet Wizard Lee, the sound in- engineer. I love it in these rap scenes where you got like a balding <laughs> yeah. white dude who's really yeah. good at 
producing blunts. You you could cut the blunt smoke in the air with a knife. <laughs> and you can t- and they said, and that's when things start to get a little bit out of hand. It's like, oh, you think? <laughs> and you uh, your- <laughs> there was way too many people in the studio. <laughs> when your studio is filled with any amount of pyrules or crips or bloods, things are out of hand, buddy, for you. For a guy like that, things are way out of hand. But Takashi... 6ix9ine, Danny, had a the first real sign of true giant fame occurred when he went to tour in Slovakia. He went to Bratislava. That's and he he's apparently huge in Bratislava. They really missed the perfect opportunity to play some Beirut. I think he's got a song called Bratislava. Ooh, shit! Yeah, that would have been like a mind-bending mashup. They could have mashed up Bratislava with one of his songs. (laughs) Maybe I can do a (laughs) half-ass version for this episode. I expect to see it. (laughs) I'll try. There's no try, Bobby. So he's <laughs> he's working with the Savlakian uh, rap click, and he hooks up with Yaksha, who's like pretty much the biggest up and coming producer. They call him the Puff Daddy of Bratislava. Yeah, in two thousand, like. In the mid-teens, 2000s, that's how you know they behind. It's like, Puff Daddy ain't been shit for like 10 I, years. I hope they're point. talking about his production and not his raps. I hope they're not talking about it either, personally. <laughs> his production is fine, at least for the time. It, yeah, it's fine. I mean, those biggie records. Yeah, it's fine. Ready to die? It's that's fine. What, okay. Let's, 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 just, let's just completely play back an old-ass name song. <laughs> or police song. Man, I hope this blows up in rap media and people, <laughs> yeah. people get mad at us. Hey, man, fuck Puff Daddy. Fuck Puff Daddy. Like, yeah. He does suck, though. Yeah, come after me, Puff. He, like, and post me on your Instagram, too. He's coming for me. Sean. P- Shit. P. Dotty. Are people are people still rocking Sean John? I sure as hell hope not, because they way out of pocket. If they are, <laughs> I'd I'd rather see a Timberland than a I fucking... saw someone wearing an Echo Denim shirt last <laughs> week. <laughs> My first thought was, where the hell did you find an Echo Denim? Or not? There's Echo Denim. I was like, what? You gonna wear some Mecha Denim now? <laughs> are they gonna replace that dude who died in that uh, new metal group? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Group? <laughs> Fuck, what the fuck is that group? Uh, Limp Biscuit? No, no. They're a little better than Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Who the fuck are Torn. they? Crawling in my oh, skin. Not Incubus. <laughs> no, not Incubus. <laughs> let's go through all the shitty early 2000s bands. No, let's not do that. It was, uh, they Boy, had a DJ, man. What the fuck is that group? <laughs> they had a DJ. Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park, that's it. Chicago. That's the Chicago connection. <laughs> I heard Legend has it. Legend has it that Adam was the first like non-Brooklyn resident to get into Lincoln Park, being from Chicago. I think I was the only non-original resident on the on, on the block. Who? Oh man, too much of a callback. Adam's a dude that was like, I was the first non-native Brooklyn. Hanks is the equivalent of that like old white dude that's like, yeah, well, of course I voted for Obama. It's like, you don't gotta be so like proud about it. It's like, <laughs> I vote care. for him five times. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, we've all seen Get Out. Stop. Mm, Move this from mm. your vocabulary. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Did you finally watch Get Out? Yeah, I saw, I saw it a while ago. Yeah, it was good. 
Okay. I know it took you a while to get I to did. it. I did. I liked it. Because I was one of those white guys that was talking to you as though you'd seen it. Yeah, so anyways, and get out that one scene. I was like, hey, first of all, no spoilers. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. Did you see uh, Did you see the follow-up? No, I Us? have not. I, I, have, I don't like to watch his movies in the hype because I just want to take them in. Honestly, Us is a little... The acting's really good. Yeah. But like the story is like, what? I've like, heard honestly. that. I've heard that. All I heard was some of, there was like a twist, a nice Shyamalan twist in it. And I'm just like, mm, anytime I hear a twist, I'm already... It's only ha- it's only been good in one movie ever. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know which one it is, don't you? Um, don't say uh, the one with the aliens. Yo, you think in <laughs> Sixth Sense? No, no, no. Uh, the Usual Suspects, Bobby. Oh, yeah, okay. The only good twist in the movie that has sh- ever, ever happened. I was just thinking Shyamalan. Sh- no, no, no. Shyamalan going, no, the only good twist in any movie ever has been... The Usual Suspects. The Usual Suspects. Look, I don't want to brag, but yeah. I called that. Okay, okay, Bobby. I know. Stop. Oh I, I can't prove this it. Guy, this admittedly. guy right here, man. I swear. No, man. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to call you out. I was going to. I was like, maybe he'd be embarrassed by this. But I was going to do it. I was not going to do it now. You know, I would watch Get Out for the third time. <laughs> this man, you are, you are in, unbelievable. One of my favorite sidebars in this whole thing mm. is when they're talking about the SoundCloud thing. Yes. And they're talking to Eric Walforce, who's the co-founder of SoundCloud. And they apparently in their office have pillows with comments on tracks Oof. posted like all throughout the... Bold moves. <laughs> oh, these are all real comments. real comments from the platforms. Where is it? Here. What's that? I've... Slay Queen, Slay. Like I wish they were just random comments. Like I wish they didn't filter any of them. It does vibe like a German way to represent what they think cool shit in America is. Yeah, it kind of tracks. It does. It might be my favorite scene in the movie where (laughs) he's like reading this thing, like Yas Queen or some shit. Yas Queen. Yas. This says uh, Yas Queen. Fire this. Slay Queen. Slay. Uh, so we go through like a montage of SoundCloud rappers. I forgot to look him up. Who was the dude that has Anne Frank tattooed on his fucking face? <laughs> what? No. Who the fuck has... There's a dude. No. Dude. These people are out here. Man, no. I can't... Man, I can't live. I can't live in this world like this. Who the fuck has got Anne Frank on his face, man? It's not funny. I'm not laughing. I'm laughing. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> That's not. Fun. I'm not. I'm not laughing at the situation. It's, it's terrible. I'm laughing at how terrible this person is. Like I can't believe it. So complex. You know the magazine Complex. <laughs> yes, I have heard of it. What is? Is it like a? Is it a? Isn't it a hip hop mag for the most part? Yeah, it leans that way. Would you think that if you saw Sean Sitaro on the streets, would you be like, "Oh, this guy's a writer for a prominent hip hop magazine"? What business do you have talking? about 6ix9ine. Oh man, it's, well, the 6ix9ine story has been my life basically consistently since, you know, the summer of 2018, my God. I mean, these days, yeah. (laughs) I guess so. But yeah, we, a journalist, Sean Sitaro, he's been like the guy who's written probably the most about 6ix9ine. I wonder if he wrote about Zan. No, let's go ahead. Lil Zan? Yeah, Lil Zan, but yeah, yeah. He wrote the most about 6ix9ine. He was the guy who knew. Six nine. From here on, he's framing, contextualizing a lot of what 
occurs in Six Nine's life after this point, which I actually appreciated because yeah, I like how they explained his descent into the whole gang affiliated lifestyle. I knew the outline, but I didn't know the details. So yeah, it all just felt like a just again a ploy. He he goes. I mean, unless you're going, is that where you're what you're talking about? Yeah. Mm. Six Nine meets up with Trippy Red. Trippy, you know Trippy yeah, Red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, who is on a label called Strange Music with Elliot Grange, who's the son of, you know, Elliot Grange started a, like a low brick and mortar person, (laughs) who also happens to be the son of Lucian Grange, the Universal Music CEO. Oh yeah, I mean, coincidence, really. So 6ix9ine and Trippy Red on that label did a video and that's that one where they're out in the desert and like jeeps yeah, and, and they're shit just like and... cruising around the dust is kicking up they're like hardcore it, dudes it does look like a lot of fun yeah i would do it i, I love doing donuts yeah, on big big wheel yeah, vehicles I, I would definitely do that and meanwhile his daughter's mother sarah is not into any of this shit no she's completely not in this zone which you can imagine why like i think she from the tattoos and everything it was like he the way she kind of told it it'd be like He'd be gone, and then she'd watch videos of him getting head, yeah. and then he'd come back and he'd have, like, five new face tattoos, and she's like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's like, why are you getting so many face tattoos? She was not happy about it. And also, uh, as he's blowing up at this point, the the accu- the charges from the incident, the 13-year-old thing, they start to come back. Man, his old crew, man, Scum Gang just won't let it die. Yeah, they fucking drag this out. It's like, remember this motherfucker? Yeah, oh yeah, he's with Trippy Red now. Remember, he's a pedo. But this was like, if you just look a little bit into his history, like it, it, like it, you could find it. Yeah. But it was like it took them like putting it out. Like, if everyone's making money, it's like let's not talk about. Yeah, let's not talk. We've seen that with countless musicians now. Not gonna name names. And so that's Trippy then publicly separates. Oh yeah, from Six Nine puts out a video even goes that far just like talking mad dirty to him. I'm sorry, brother. Fourteen hundred don't promote pedophiles. We we don't we don't fuck with uh weird niggas. Niggas niggas is on some whole different shit now. Do you think that was all on his own, or do you think Elliot was like this is kind of an issue? But then again, Elliot he works with Elliot later, so maybe not. No, I think I think it was definitely not on his own. I mean, someone either brought it up to him and said, "Hey, man, you can't be doing this." I mean, I don't think it was forced, but I think it was sort of like socially forced, if you will. No one said he had to yeah, disassociate, yeah. but they're just reminding him of all the money yeah. on the table here. Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, man, you could actually start losing money now if you're associating with the pedo." So six nine does kind of he meets people that seek to help him, even though he's in all this trouble, and he's like. Really starting to blow up at this time. And it's after this point in which, you know, post-scum gangs, post-bridges are burned, like, on every step every of this guy's time. journey. And at this point, he goes full gangster. Oh, yeah. Get hooks up with actual affiliated individuals. So that's when we meet Sequo Billy and Chanel, a.k.a. Miss Treyway. Sequo, he talks about when he first meets 6ix9ine, 6ix9ine yeah. says to him, My music is trash, my video fire. What did you think about when you heard that? Throw the jeans. My music is trash, but my videos are fire. <laughs> yeah. That is an objectively true statement. I, 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 you know what? I respect him more knowing himself that way. Yeah. It's a lot it, of introspection to get there. It is interesting. There is a genius here. Yeah. But the genius might be in knowing what to put out there to get the reaction you need. 
Because right. I think there's another type of genius that really just maybe wants to get your voice out there. But the fact of the matter is that level of genius may not always equate to success. Right. But his genius is just kind of like knowing how to hold that attention. And you got to admit, the dude was good at it. Yeah. And they shot Gummo. Gummo. I lo- Gummo, the old Harmony Corinne movie. Oh, yeah. Just the Nashville treasure. Yeah. Forgotten time and forgotten place. Swaths of it were shot in Nashville. Yes. We used to tape trade that. Like, it used to, we used to, like, tape it off and trade it around because... <laughs> At that time, VHSs were like 25 bucks a pop. Yeah, yeah. And then that scene in Gummo, or not, Belly. Remember Belly? Rest oh, in, yeah. With, uh, rest with in Peace with DMX. DMX, yeah. Rest in Peace DMX. Rest in Peace. Nas, Young Nas. Nas, yeah. But yeah, there's that scene where they're watching Gummo. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is that? What the fuck is this, huh? And the rabbit in the junkyard scene. God. Shitty ass rabbit stinks. I know. He smells like pussy. Smell like a pop of bullshit. So there's like this connection with Gummo into like hip hop culture oh, yeah. connected through that movie. Weird yeah. art house layers. And mm-hmm. then there's like an actual rap layer to Gummo, yeah. which is fascinating. I know. He smells like but Gummo, it got radio play, on, unlike yeah. all the other uh, music he was putting out. And this shit cleared 50 million views. Unbelievable. In no time. And it helps that this this video, describe this video. You've seen this video, right? It's just like, wait, which one? Gummo's the one that he shot on the... They're on the, the block. Yeah, on yeah. That block. So it's Blood's, like... Blood's vid. So he's sitting there, and it's supposed to be... Which is pretty common. Like he's front and center, and he's like leading this this organization, and it's just all these his whole crew behind him. They've all got the red bandanas. But if you look closely, I mean that's basically the whole video. It's him doing some dumb rap, but there's a whole bunch of like his whole squad behind him, and he's just rapping. He's in the center. He's acting like he's a big man. But if you look closely at this video, you're thinking, yeah, this dude's definitely getting affiliated. But then you start looking at how some of the people are wearing their bandanas, <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute here. Yeah. Like, are these really... I mean, it was confusing because I could tell that these are dudes from the block, right? Mm-hmm. But I, in all in all of my years, have never seen a dude that I suspected to be gang-affiliated wear a bandana, like the hipster bandana, as I call it. You know, yeah. where you kind of tie it loosely around the neck like you're a Boy Scout. <laughs> Ascot you know? style. Yeah, like, you just kind of have the two, ta- like, strings hanging down from the knot. <laughs> You know, it's 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 that sort of. I've never seen a game affiliated semen dude wear crisp, crisp red bandanas. The dude from No Jumper is talking about. He's basically contextualizing like the reason why the gangster shit works is because kids just buy into that shit. This yeah. this hunger for some kind of uh, credibility and that feeling of cre- a feeling of and that makes you feel credible for absorbing this thing that you perceive as credible. But that's how you know that this music, which everyone says it's like music for black people, but music like this doesn't get 58 million views if only black people are watching it. It's like, this is the sort of stuff that little suburban kids see and be like, oh man, he's really gang affiliated. But then when I look at it, I'm like, I'm not in any way some gang right. from the streets, dude, but I just saw that video and said, this isn't how 
gang members just dressed and walk around. That's too easy to spot, you know? I'm in the purple nurples. Yeah, we all wear nothing we were but all purple. Hard. We wear nothing but purple. We're the kings. Although, I have Not the Latin kings. Not <laughs> Latin kings. No, no, no. Ooh. Purple kings. Hey, all respect the, to those guys. I'm not trying to start anything. Street Barneys. <laughs> so, yeah, he bought a bunch of red bandanas. They didn't just have red bandanas. Yeah. He passed that shit out. This point... When he goes full, like, I'm a blood, he starts coming to this block over and over again, eating, like, yeah. Thanksgiving dinner with them. It becomes, he connects to them on a familial level. Yeah, of course. And and I, I kind of, you know, with my own background, raised by my grandma, certain, one parent died, another parent kind of like, you know, maybe didn't do the job that they should have, where you're looking for these emotional vacuums to fill these emotional vacuums. Mm-hmm. I and, and you don't even really understand. It takes a long time and a lot of hindsight to even look back and understand how flawed you are in trying to fill those emotional vacuums because you can all often do that shit at the expense of other people. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, and it's just a cycle of unfair bullshit. It's unfair what happens to you. And then things become unfair the way you emotionally are reacting to other people. So I kind of, I understand, at least on the surface, what he's looking for here. Some sort of connection that he didn't have when he was younger. Sequo gets uncomfortable with the questions. So I need to ask you because I think it's shocking for a lot of people. You see this Mexican kid, he's shouting the N-word and everyone behind him is black. How do you explain that? (laughs) <laughs> can I take the mic off? I just wanted to talk about the, the beginning of the trailer. I don't want to go into all the other stuff. Like, okay. she, can, she can answer all the rest of that. Okay. I don't right. want to answer all the other stuff. I wonder why he didn't want to talk about that particularly. Um, it almost seems like a question you could ask everyone yeah. that was interviewed in this movie. What about yourself? I don't usually say it. Well, I know you don't. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I guess it's just a part of that genre to listen to that, but... Yeah, yeah, you hear it a lot. I mean, for me, I was just thinking, you know, some Latino dude wants to say that, like, I'm not going to police what somebody says, just because, in the, the day, it helps me to know who they are as a person. If they're going to come around me as a non-black person and say it, I, I just think, okay, well, I know who that person is, and if he wants to say it in his rap, it's cool, but I'm not going to think as highly of them as a person. I mean, I kind of feel the same way, but I'm white, so I don't think my opinion matters as much on that. Not everybody's opinion matters. Okay, well, I'm kind of with you on it. It didn't really bother me, but like, I am curious as to what individuals might think of it, you know, in certain respects. I mean, if he was coming around to me, I wouldn't let him refer to me in that manner. I'd yeah. Be like, hey, shut your mouth, dude. It's like, that's not me. Yeah, and then I'd beat him up. <laughs> yeah, and beat that fucking dude's ass, that pasty boy's ass. So, Wizard Lee's talking about how the sessions now are getting loud and crowded. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then Kuda drops two months later after Gummo. And then Kiki drops in January. He's dro- <laughs> <laughs> I say this like I know these songs. Like, they all fucking sound the same, especially at this point. Kiki. And every month or two, there's a new video. People being interviewed are like, all of us were friends. We were all having fun just shooting these videos. Running into a train car and just shooting a video on a train car. It was kind of did have this random fly by the seat of the pants, yeah. kind of a punk rock vibe. Just constantly it. putting out work, constantly putting out work, not taking a second to dwell and maybe try, try to build on it. It's like no, nah, we gotta keep putting out more work. So Chanel, she starts up a Treyway label, and Six Nine's funding becomes the center of all of this activity. And it may even be some sort of money laundering going through that who knows absolutely and blood's the center of the blood's universe at least in this 
part of Brooklyn on this mm-hmm. block. But the Bloods, it seems like there's different levels of Bloods here. It it seems like some gangs are just full on like mafiosa type, yeah, running that shit, doing that shit. And other and other types are just kind of like watch each other's backs, preserve what we got here. It doesn't seem like everyone is equal, and in terms mm-hmm. of and of course they say as much. Yeah, all the bloods aren't your blood, but there does seem to be differences between people like Chanel and Saquo mm-hmm. and Shoddy and even Harv, who does his own crazy shit later. Yeah. So he's got bloods bodyguards now, and there's one point where one of the bodyguards, Harv. Walks into yeah. a hotel where Trippy Red is and like decks him in the face. Yeah, just straight up, just decks him. <laughs> I just walked in and the nigga sucker punched me in my mouth, nigga. Real bloods don't move like that, bro. Now I'm gonna beat your ass when I see you, my nigga. You're gonna be fucked up, nigga. I just want you to know this shit. Funding is now pretty much the epicenter, the uh, the the nougat center of the nine tray bloods, and the gangs guard him. And then this guy Shoddy. He comes around and he starts to get to 69 and you see them together in so many clips and videos. Like it seemed like Shoddy very much set himself to be inseparable with 69 and Chanel and Sequay who seem to be pushing more of a creative edge with all of this or trying to pursue that are starting to get pushed out. Um, Elements from within their own organization. Not all of the bloods are your blood. No, no. A little shady business happened. I like how we get a, at a, at a, a little over an hour and three, we get the suck my dick montage. You know how many people I told suck my dick in this industry? Everybody suck my fucking dick. Suck my fucking dick. Suck my fucking dick. Suck my fucking dick. Suck my dick. Suck my dick. Suck my dick. Suck my dick with your mother's lips. Have your mother suck my dick. Yo, I done told the whole world to suck my dick. I tell niggas suck my dick every day. If you tell somebody suck your dick, man, you got to be ready to either kill or die. I and I'm ready to die and I'm ready to kill. Jesus Christ. Because I guess that's just what he says all the time. This is also when it's like, Played up how, what a giant troll he Yeah, is. yeah, of course. Super troll money, money mode. There's a clip where he's on The Breakfast Club and Charlemagne's asking him about his, like, his persona. You don't think you effing up your money with this tough guy, gangster persona? Nah, I don't know. What you think is a persona? It is clearly a persona. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, say what you will about Charlemagne. He keeps it so un- incredibly real. It's kind of refreshing. Yeah, at least real based on how he feels yeah. about shit. He doesn't hide that shit. Yeah. I don't think I agree with every idea no, he ever course. has, but like I do respect that guy quite a bit. Uh, I seem like every time I watch an interview, he's just saying, like, oh, man, this ain't what it is, but I don't know enough about him. To- I don't co-sign Charlemagne. I don't yeah. know enough about him. <laughs> I mean, he's a person. He's yeah. out there. He's influential. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll, I'll respect the cred he built for himself. Well, of course, yeah. Sarah, uh, his daughter's mother, is... Like, this is when Takashi and Danny are now one entity. Yeah, because before it was just a joke. It was like, hey, this is Takashi. This is me, Danny. But I call now, this the Joseph Smith effect. Because mm. I think Joseph Smith was like, yo, I can play this because I'm a yeah. con. And then at the end, he's dressing like Napoleon. And he's like, no, I really did see those. <laughs> yeah, I saw those. Bro. I saw them. Shoddy's like running robberies with the Nine Trey Bloods. Oh, yeah. And they were they implied that. Did they imply that Danny was with them in some of these? Yeah, so there's one robbery in particular where they go into uh, this hotel lobby and they 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 rob a person at gunpoint, take his backpack, take Scum his Scum Lord Dizzy, which was random. They weren't targeting him. No, it just happened to it just happened to be there, so they got him. And they say that the one filming it all go down from his camera phone was none other than Danny, aka 
six nine Takashi. <laughs> also, there's like CCTV footage all over yeah, New York. It's like, what are you doing? So it's like, yeah, you. you at one point, we see him like get a gun put to his head. Yeah. Uh, they go to the Barclays Center to a game, and they meet up with Casanova Group. This is the first time we hear about them, but yeah. apparently they're beefing with Casanova Group. Why wouldn't they be? And then there's a scuffle. Well, it's another group that isn't them, so I yeah. guess they're beefing. There's a scuffle and a shot, and uh, Jorge the driver says that he and Takashi hide in the closet. Yeah. Also, I love Jorge, and I'm Jorge, glad Takashi's driver, man. I, I'm glad we're getting into the Jorge parts yeah, of it. I love Jorge was my man. So the the drive the driver uh, he kind of paints Takashi as he's like he shows confidence, but he's scared. But he also says that what he said went, and Shadi had to facilitate. Yeah. What Takashi did. But it's beneficial with Shoddy. I can see it's like like it benefits Shoddy if he's gonna run around and do these robberies yeah. to drag this famous dude with him. Yeah. So he can like make as many people implicit into this thing as possible. And like and it's also a matter of like Shoddy seems like the kind of dude who you know, kind of a con guy. Like Oh yeah. Shoddy's just trying to get what he can where he can. Yeah, he like he, he he's putting himself in a position where it looks like he's following his orders. But it's more of a situation where he's probably, like, getting Danny to do things he wants and convincing him it's his idea. Gassing him up, like, oh, don't you want to get that dude, man? Don't you want to, like, get... You should stick him up. What do you think about that? And he's like, yeah, get him. There always seems to be this underlying sense of naivety with Danny. Yeah, because he was never about that life. And so he's getting he, exposed on it left and right. Yeah, even though he's probably seen more of that life than I ever will. Yeah. There always still seemed to be something about him that was always truly separate. Even in videos where mm-hmm. he's walking around with blood. It, there is something, at least by him particularly, it seems unconvincing about in that sense. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense at all. Harv, remember Harv who oh, punched yeah. Trippy Red... He starts to feel burned for being ignored. Yeah, he's like, imagine you walk up somewhere and you punch some dude for no reason just because your guy needed you to, and then they're like, nah, I'm done with these. If a, if a guy, like, uh, is going to punch other rappers for you, even if he's trouble, you yeah. know, at least send the motherfucker a Christmas card. Yeah, just give him, like, $100 or $1,000. There's got to be nothing for a guy with 100000 on his neck. So Harv wants to kidnap his ass, and we see CCTV footage of a gun to his head gets his ass I assume it's CCTV footage I'm not really yeah. sure it could be someone else's cell phone yeah but it looked like it was uh, definitely a security they take 6ix9ine to his house he has to run in and he comes back with a bag full of jewels and they take off so 6ix9ine is not looking good for him but he yeah. bails from the vehicle that's how, again how you know he's not about that life cause like they let you go in the house you could have gotten your, the strap and come back out and just been like but he was he was like okay I'll just give him the stuff and they'll leave me alone it's it like, showed no. that there was a different instinct there yeah exactly yeah. he's not about that life so 6 9 is set to move to Long Island and he starts to get everyone out of his apartment <laughs> yeah. right I mean, and then the feds show up at that time and start confiscating all the weapons they're finding fully automatic weapons oh yeah and a backpack with a bunch of stolen shit in it it was a backpack that was indeed stolen by uh, none other than his own crew so 6 9 is just full-on freaking out mode and he goes to dubai and he asks sarah to fly out to see him in dubai after pester endless pestering she goes dubai is like a wild that's like the yeah, i'm hearing rappers past several years have been talking about dubai it's yeah, like it's the place to go you want to talk about the 
most gilded looking place yeah, ever. Just luxury, luxury, luxury. Nothing you know, straight real. up slaves are building that shit. Oh yeah, nobody's really living in the buildings. No, <laughs> like there's so much empty space in these mm-hmm. grand desert towns. Yeah, there's just like shopping, but don't go into any of these apartments. Yeah, it gets like 130 degrees in, <laughs> yeah. in the summer, and so when. Sarah gets there, he goes through her phone, and he discovers that Jorge is telling her everything he do, everything he's yeah. doing. Do you yeah. think Jorge is like, I love you, baby? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I, I just like want you. what's best for you. I mean, I get it. Like, you see a vulnerable Sarah. Yeah. She's a, a beautiful young woman. Yeah, exactly. Jorge is probably, like, feeling it. He's like, man, yeah, he me. knew that I could have been this close to this. He don't <laughs> respect you. He yeah. don't respect you. Yeah, Jorge's, like, telling what he does, which I imagine... I mean, she could pretty much guess at this point, I'm sure. But he starts to, he hits her with the phone and starts to punch her. Yeah. And um, so the director is like, is this something that only happened then or is this something that always happened? Mm -hmm. And she's like, this is, you know, he's often been like this. Yeah, and she's got the receipts. So, fuck. Yeah. That sucks. So, 6ix9ine starts doing these uh, one, my other favorite scene in this movie after the SoundCloud mm-hmm. exec uh, he starts doing these charity tours where he goes to see right. sick kids and you see him with like kids with stage 4 leukemia and he's like pulling out wads of $100 bills yeah, and just handing go, them man. to the children it's like I'm here for the kids just hand out $20 bills <laughs> this is how cartel people get talents to like them yeah exactly it's like hey just give money to people government ain't bringing it no government's not gonna do it and it works. It gives him a softer sentence, and he gets four Somehow. years probation. Yeah. Somehow. I, I assume it's just because he at least can exude money at this time, yeah, yeah. and money will always soften that. The, oh, cla- yeah. the, the economic class will... There's a reason R. Kelly's not in jail right now. <laughs> yeah. So Sarah and 69 are set to celebrate, and then they go to this like fancy restaurant in Madison Avenue. I wish yeah. I could have seen this. And uh, Shoddy comes in, and he wants to talk with Elliot, and Elliot, who's the son of like the Universal yeah. CEO, music Rich CEO, richest hell guy. Elliot starts telling Shoddy that he's bad for business. I wanted to see this little rich, <laughs> bespectacled white kid <laughs> tell this hard ass gangster, "I think you're bad for business, and I don't think you should be here." I think honestly, if you have a certain amount of money, it does make you as hard as a gangster. You, you not can... really, not literally, but I mean. Well, I don't know what, how I'm trying to explain that. But yeah, well, I hear what you're saying, like yeah. some dumb level of confidence. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're not used to accountability, that can bring a level of like idiot swagger that yeah. might actually work from time, yeah. time to time. And plus, if something had happened, I mean, the, just where he was, it's like he was going away for a long ass time. And Shoddy is fielding tons of offers. Yeah. Like for 6 9 to make a lot of money through different record industries. But he's under contract with Elliot and Strange yeah. Music. And so, so and so when 69 comes to the dinner and brings a bunch of people with him, then there's a scuffle and the security guys end up shooting one of the dudes. Yeah. And and then after that, shit just goes, I guess Elliot convinced uh, 69 and he fires everyone, including Shoddy. He's like, I just got rid of his whole crew, and he talked about it on Breakfast Club. Thank goodness. Did he? <laughs> did he want a har a harv incident part two? Yeah, it's like he gotta gotta cut it loose. He gotta cut loose the gang. But he's on, but he's on the Breakfast Club saying, <laughs> <laughs> only two things I'm scared of in life: God first, and the FBI. 
Takashi 69 pleaded guilty to federal charges, admitting he participated in a violent gang. He also pledged to cooperate with prosecutors. He was facing a mandatory 47-year prison sentence. And the FBI is one of the most uh, effective gangs in United States they'll, history. They'll get you. They will get you. They will fucking kill you for wanting to, like, help poor people, man. man like, so, like, don't... They'll, they'll mess with them, man. Yeah, they'll fuck you up. <laughs> he releases Dummy Boy. It's huge. But he's full-on getting, like, heavy shade in the rap community at oh, this yeah. point. First, he's like pedo boy with the thirteen-year-old girl, and there's and then we get courtroom footage because he gets arrested on some racketeering charges. Yeah, he's dropping all the dimes. He rats out Shoddy and all that crew. Just dropping so many dimes. Montage after montage of all kinds of rappers who ain't even got shit to do with <laughs> yeah. it. Man, your boys are talking real loud. Just being like, "Whoa, <laughs> he did the thing that like you don't do." Yeah, he's. Mm. But even though. He's just buried a street credibility. He's getting richer and richer. He signs a $69 million deal. He doesn't need a street credibility anymore. With enough money, he can hire 24-7 legit bodyguards. It's almost like so long as the, you know, the kids from all over who want that visual cred, it, the credibility doesn't fucking matter. It just doesn't fucking matter. You're going to lose specific friends over it. Yeah. But literally, he's making more and more money. Even though he's like the biggest rat in hip hop, yeah, probably ever matter. at this point. He's need it's like he just needed something something shocking enough to get the attention. And then once he had it, he didn't need that thing anymore, which was his gang affiliation. So how did the feds get up on these racketeering charges, and how did they find out about certain things? Well, they caught wind of the rift in the bloods, so mm -hmm. it became something that was very easy to exploit. Like we said, this they're the biggest one of the most effective gangs in the yeah. history of the United States. They had an informant. They had recordings of Shoddy doing, like, yeah. <laughs> deals and shit. Like, telling them all the whereabouts of everyone. What was happening, left and right. And who was the informant? Then the camera cuts to our boy, Jorge. Man, but as soon as they showed him, I was like, of course it was Jorge. Of course. It seemed like Jorge was almost like the wallflower of this yeah. crew. He's the driver. No one thought about I him. I never thought about him either when they said they had an informant. I was like, what? Who would snitch? I was like... Jorge, he's not gang affiliated. He's just the driver. At uh, one point, um, Jorge is nabbed by the immigration Gestapo. Ice. And the police have him make a deal, and he accepts it quickly. Yeah. He embeds himself as a driver in with this crew. You don't even have to wear a wire anymore. All they got to do is put an app on your phone. You can't trust dudes, man. They'll do you dirty. Wires are old now. Yeah, wires are old. That's, That's old, old head shit, shit now. Dude, old head shit. They literally will take your smartphone. Put an app on it. Yeah. You can sit there and like make it look like your phone is off. It is recording constantly. Oh, yeah. So and Jorge testified the yeah. same way uh Six Nine did. No protection. All the bloods know. And Jorge still does a car service to this day yeah. in New York. And he even said that he's picked up bloods yeah. who have recognized him and they're like, What's up with you? But the <laughs> truth is, they're super bright and shiny, Takashi Six Nine just absorbed all that heat yeah exactly. i mean and the reality is jorge wasn't affiliated he was just doing a job yeah so it wasn't it's not the weight of traitorism in the same way that six yeah. nine did it you can't expect your taxi driver which is essentially what he was i mean six nine wasn't giving him nothing it's like he was the driver mm -hmm. he, he wasn't he didn't have a, a oath or a code you know at this point uh six nine's biological father shows up speaks up in court at his sen sentencing yeah Apparently, he'd only been a few miles away from Danny, who's pretty much his entire life. 
Clearly just probably wants to show up for some money. The director actually interviews him, met him at a homeless shelter. Yeah. And uh, he talks about how he wants to be in his life again and described his stepfather as a guy who came in underneath him and took his family away from him. And I'm thinking like, well, it wasn't nothing you wanted to fight for. Well, it's hard. I'm not trying to fight the gang-affiliated individual. You're taking your family. Ooh, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm kidding. I don't, we don't even know if it really went down the way. Yeah, he said. I mean, because that was my next thing. I was like, oof, you know. But he wasn't sad about that stepdad getting shot in the streets. No, he was sure. not. Uh, so the director asked Sarah. This is one of my favorite Sarah moments in here. Yeah. Is like he's trying to be like. So do you think Danny would have been in this position ever if he had a daddy? How do you see I that? I don't. Play? I don't correlate the two. It's just. If that's something you went through as a child, you know the feeling, you know how it made you feel. Why would you want to put that on your kids? Your job is to, to break the cycle. Those little generational curses that you should want and do better for your kids. His relationship with my daughter is non-existent. He was never really a present father at all whatsoever. He uses my daughter to gain likeness, to gain sympathy. Like, look, I'm a good dad. Like, I'm a good guy. I'm a dad. I have a daughter I care about. I need to come home, judge, please. I have. To, I want to see my daughter, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter. He uses my daughter when it's convenient for him. You're all right, yeah, Sarah. You're all right, Sarah. Keep doing what you do. I love Jorge's kind of deep. You can tell though. Yeah. I can, he, Jorge's got some things to say. No, you too, Jorge. You're all right by me, Jorge. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's like, maybe the way he loves people isn't the same as, like, me and you love people. He loves people another different way. Just to use it. But you don't have, he don't have more use for you than said, let me love the next person. But in real life, he's trash. I guess he, I guess he got, he got his end of the deal, though. He doesn't have yeah. to get deported. Hey, he's still around. So coronavirus, COVID hits, and judge releases him from prison due to asthma. Yeah. Which... You know, I have asthma, and it is kind of a relevant part of my life. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny we don't know until this point of the movie that he has it. Yeah, know? no clue. But he had good behavior and asthma. That's what gets him out early. And 6 9 is free, and he is peak hated. He refuses protection. Just out here, but he hired some guards. And he refused to be interviewed for this documentary. Yeah. And he's making videos with Nicki Minaj because she knows what she needs to do to stay relevant. Yeah, because she's... Yeah, I haven't heard from Nicki in a minute. That's because she stopped being... That's because she peaked like eight years ago. Yeah. She was my favorite when she was on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. All is starting to feel so blurry. It really is, uh. It really is. I heard her brother got charged with some weird yeah, shit. Some shit. So the director asked this question. is like, did I? is this truly the story of a boy who grew up hard and with these outcomes or... Uh, or is he just trolling me? Am I giving him what he wants? He's like, yes, bro. You didn't advance and you didn't give us anything interesting. Yeah. You talked about all the sensational stuff and missed the real story, which was the troubled upbringing and the problems facing a rapidly gentrifying, a rapidly gentrifying area of New York City. I feel like I feel like a lot of people kind of miss that greater systemic point talking about this shit even like somebody like john oliver who i like objectively yeah, yeah. but at the same time it's just like yeah capitalism <laughs> you know yeah. it's like yeah this is the product of a yeah. society that uh that needs people to be underpaid to function as an economy yeah. and like has to feed people into a prison system yeah. to profit and you know a society that wins by holding people down it's just but you know i guess you got to talk about the parts to get to the whole so yeah. eldridge 
Bobby. Did I say your name at all? Is that the first time I say your name? I think that's the first time you said my name, but who knows? Who knows, Bobby? Say my name, say my name. Yeah, say my name. We don't rate, this is, it's a long time since you've done this. I know, it's we, weird. We don't rate documentaries and stars, anything yeah. like that. Yeah. We rate it in Herzogs. Yeah. yeah. We're going to give it one through five Herzogs. You give it one through five Herzogs. Combined for best out of ten. What did you think of the Hulu original documentary film, mm-hmm. 6-9, The D- Saga of Danny Hernandez by Vikram Gandhi? You know, I like to hearing about the story of how this all played out. I've always, I have been curious about how he got into this situation because, again, I look at him and I think, this is not, you're not this guy. You're not this guy. What the heck's going on? So it was good, it was good to have the backstory there. I really enjoyed it. And hearing about how a person perpetrates a false image to get a rap career wasn't as annoying as I thought it was going to be. I was actually pretty interesting because I know there has to be so many more rappers who've done this similar formula, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was all interesting. It was a little bit of inside baseball for the music business when it comes to, like, rap. Yeah. But Vikram, he let me down by not really... He went for... He was like a moth to the flame, which was Takashi. And in the end of the day, he missed the real issues which were systemic racism like poverty the the lack of a home structure the sexism that i don't want to say sexism that sounds too much of a blanket but the there's a lot of sexism in this the misogyny that leads to him even creating those videos in the first place and how those videos are the ones that are the ones that take off he missed a whole lot of really easy low-hanging fruit which could have given him a documentary of some true substance. But instead, what we have is something that views more like a, I guess, a tabloid video feed Mm. masquerading as hard-hitting journalism. Mm. So, I mean, sure, the bright, flashy parts were interesting, but this is like a middle that doesn't make you feel full. And because of that, I have to give it a 2.5. Interesting. Down the middle on it. Yeah, I just, it went right down the middle. So it wasn't terrible. Like I said, there were parts yeah, that were right. interesting, but there was so much that Homeboy just completely whiffed on. I was like, nah, man, I can't. I wouldn't recommend this to somebody unless they were just knew a lot about rap, were into like yeah, the that, SoundCloud. You know, I would sure. recommend to that type of person, but it's not one of those documentaries where you say, you should see this. It's just interesting. It's a way of life. You don't No, It's not that. I mean, no one else in this house was even remotely interested. <laughs> of course in not. With me. No, of course not. But yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I might be a little warmer on it than you. Mm-hmm. Maybe not too much more. Yeah. But uh, I felt like it was almost like a really, really good long behind the music. But it's kind of funny at the end when Vikram is positing like this thing. It was so unnecessary. It's like, if you'd have just sold this straightforward at the very least. Yeah. Fortunately, it wasn't like he was too much in his own movie, thankfully. I did learn something about this kid, but I still feel like as far as... There still should be a documentary about like this subgenre of rap that's been coming up lately. I really feel like, you know, when I was listening to more and more of this in the height of COVID and staying home all the time, that I felt like this kind of depressive, emotional rap uh, kind of made so much sense in this modern context. Yeah, the ones that actually are willing to go to that place will draw an emotion out of you, which I have to say. And the movie almost ends as though, uh, it almost had this vibe as though, uh, Danny Takashi six, nine, now just six, nine is like riding off into the sunset somewhere, almost as though we're not going to hear from him again, but literally 
we're probably going to be hearing about this kid for so many more years. Maybe. And then... Unless he gets shot in the streets. <laughs> who knows? Probably Which he well, could. Very well could. Runs out of money. Can't have security. It could have been a lot worse. I'm going to say... I'm going to go 0.50 up on yours and say three. Okay. Three? Say a solid yeah. three. I think it's worth watching, like you said, if you're into the genre. Yeah, yeah, of course. Into, like, new music culture and what it means. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, but that, sometimes that shit can be shallow. But analyzing the shallowness of it can be important as well. Exactly. There's, there's a relevancy to something that even you might think is stupid. But if you think you can do it, uh, if you're one of those people that's like, this isn't that, I think I could do that. Is I think a lot of Six Nights music is stupid, but I don't think you could do it. No, I, I know I couldn't. No. That's just too much energy for yeah, me. too much energy. Too much time. Holy shit, dude. We recorded for a long time. Yeah, it was a long one. Let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was that? Uh, oh, three, three, five. 5.5 5. 5 That's right. out of 10 Hertz songs. Thanks for sitting with me, man. Yeah, it was great. Glad to be back. Keep on docking. I don't really want no friends. I don't really want no friends, no I don't really want no friends I don't really want no friends, no Damn you, rabbit, you smart! I don't really want no friends Fucking piss! I don't really want no friends, no You can kiss my ass! I don't really want no friends I don't really want no friends, no Fucking rabbit! Kill his ass! Some songs and samples that you heard briefly consist of the following. The Mumble Rapper vs. Lyricist song is from a rapper called Vin J. Vin J taking a task of cash-grabbing Mumble Rappers, but that video is a viral hit, so Mumble Rapper vs. Lyricist was a, a successful cash grab itself. The songs Crawling and Somewhere I Belong by Linkin Park and the song Bratislava by Beirut and Kuda by this documentary subject matter. Eldridge thought this should have been more about systemic problems. I think Vikram Gandhi probably had even more than that. He, he maybe had a story about how things like clout and credibility truly mean nothing in the full scheme of the music industry. If Six Nine story can expose that type of thing to the greater public, strip down that facade a little more, then maybe there is some measure of value in this story. Keep your ears to the show and let people know we're back next week. Yes, I do know what's next. We're watching and discussing Circus of Books. It's on Netflix. It's about a, a nice Jewish family whose parents uh, own a and operate a gay porn store in West Hollywood. Hit up that hot shit and then hit us up for more on that hot shit. Hot and steamy shit all around. If you enjoyed the show, feel free to subscribe to us just about everywhere podcasts are played. Recommend us to that friend you're always talking about documentaries with and help the show out considerably by giving us some stars and a written review on Apple Podcasts. That is the absolute best way to support the show right now. And any five-star written reviews uh, will get read on the show. I don't even use Apple Podcasts. I just use it occasionally to help out some of my favorite podcasts by 
saying nice things. If I don't have anything nice to say about a podcast, I do no review. Angela and I will be playing some video games in the future, and you might be able to see it soon at our Twitch under at Culture Rot. I'm still trying to figure out some angles that I want to go with over there, and I'm working my way up to a schedule with different shows that embody different things I want to do. Following Culture Rot on YouTube is a way to see that stuff as well. And the Culture Out YouTube uh, might be a good place to go so you can watch rare movies and docs that we may talk about down the road. I do social media, but not that much. I am easy to contact over at the Documenteers Instagram. And you can also email us for any recommendations, criticisms, or praise over at documenteerspodcast at gmail.com. But don't forget about those five stars and a written review if you want to get read on the show. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Friday. Keep on docking. Let's go, gang. Slay queen, slay.